This will be a fun one from the looks. <laughs> I'm also drinking because I had a day. <laughs> I'm... And welcome, everybody, yeah, to exactly. another edition of the Second Term Michael <laughs> Podcast. What a great start. We are back again, myself, Doogie24, with the clearly illustrious, incomparable... Oh, stop it! And slightly intoxicated by no, the end of the show, only, Crash Andrews. I've only had one. I'm nowhere close to a, a bacon's dozen. No. No, not yet. Soon, but not yet. Yeah, one one of these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of these days we'll get the drunk pod going and oh my all hell gosh. break loose. Yeah. Once we hit uh I think the hundredth, the hundredth episode. I'll pregame. There you go. That'll yeah. be that'll be the way to do it. This week, everybody, we're here to talk about some WWE and uh our, our, our mixed thoughts on the current product heading towards Survivor Series. We're here to talk about my experience at last week's edition of AEW Dynamite. I'm excited We're gonna for talk that part about the most. One of the best falls from grace a company has seen in this, in this decade longer. Holy shit, we'll talk about the NWA a little bit. I was gonna say, are we gonna <laughs> somebody call my mama? <laughs> Oh, Lord. And we'll, of course, get into some of the on this day that we typically do. So, Crash, let's let's uh, let's see here. We have four doors. Oh, I can't go mid. You can't go middle this time. We have four doors. What direction are we going to kick off this podcast? You know what? I. I want to just get NWA out of the way. And then we'll we'll play the door game because I think that's one that we're we don't need a lot of time with. We will talk about it. We'll talk about it. I'm sure we'll talk history and recent and and all of that. But uh, I think that's the one that we can just. I think we can agree. We let's just get it out of the way. Okay. So my biggest takeaway is just how sad it is. The NWA, once it was purchased by Billy Corgan a couple of years ago, had this honestly surprising resurgence Uh, primarily of course behind their youtube show their weekly youtube show nwa power really power that really found an audience they were doing very well for themselves in terms of generating some buzz it wasn't without its its moments there was the uh, the incident that led to Jim Cornette no longer being the color commentator for that particular program. You know, there were some things here and there, but for the most part, they had done a good job of almost out of nowhere building up this audience. And then the pandemic started. And they have not recovered. Mm-hmm. They at one point moved their YouTube show to, I believe, uh, or power to a a paid platform, if I'm not mistaken, and that turned out to be an absolutely horrific decision. There were some other booking things, people in their contracts, a lot of their talent leaving during that time, the Ricky Starks of the world, for example. Right. And since then, they have just really been on this downward spiral of not being able to get their footing back. And you're you know you had to reach a point where it's oh okay you know they're doing some stuff like trevor murdoch's their champion but they're telling the old school story okay i guess like i can see that i don't really know no offense to the guy who's gonna pay 
to see World Heavyweight Champion Trevor Murdoch on pay-per-view. It's not going to be a large audience, but we can <laughs> see what they're doing there. And then this past week, it got worse for that company. Nick Aldis, what was originally, I think, supposed to be privately through a Patreon, um, announced that he was going to be leaving the company, but he accidentally posted that publicly and then took it down. But the damage was done. And it was very clear that, you know, the two negotiating sides weren't going to be able to come to an agreement. And they elected after this public deal, they elected to take him off of their pay-per-view, which it's not like he was in a high profile match. That is what it is. So you have that quote unquote controversy going on into the pay-per-view where it's, I wonder how many people learned NWA hard times as it was called was even happening this weekend because of the, the Nick Aldis controversy, because I'll tell you, I had no goddamn idea that event was going to be this past weekend. I think, uh, what they ended up doing, and I don't know if you want to like dive into main event yet or not, or just hold on to it for a second. We'll get there in a second, yeah. Yeah, I think what they're trying to do is, is, for lack of a better term, bait us into getting back into the product with some of the things that they're doing. I got a mm. chance. I'm, I'm going to drop Dragon, <laughs> or not Dragon, uh, Dungeon Wrestling again. Um, I got a chance to actually talk to Nick Aldis and... This was pre any of the issues, any um, any uh, ill will, or or at least it wasn't public at that point. But he was an absolute gem behind the scenes. Uh, took a bunch of photos with my son. I uh, got a couple autographs. He is an absolute professional as far as treating the fans well, and then turning that off and turning on the performer and the performer. Um, Amazing. One of, as far as I'm concerned, one of the uh, most underrated talents in professional wrestling right now. He he toiled with NWA. I'm sure most of it was by choice. But this guy could easily, easily out-wrestle most, I'm not going to say if not all, but most of either roster of AEW or WWE. And he has that persona, too. He's got that charisma that if you can wrestle, most guys don't have that charisma. If you have the charisma, most times you're not the greatest wrestler. I think he's a great, um, a great match of the two, a good mix of the two together. And wherever he ends up, I sure as heck hope it's not Impact. I sure as hope heck that it's not Impact, because he is, he is a star in the making. It's tough for him because I think, you know, his brightest moment was the all-in match with with Cody. And then it... (laughs) I laugh every time we reference it, even though we haven't talked about it. (sighs) The white whale of this podcast talking (laughs) about that pay-per-view in full. Um, But what a great match. I mean, let's be honest, that's the match. And, like, that was, for me... Not knowing a lot of the matches heading into and and getting a first taste of a lot of the talent on that roster at that pay-per-view, that match blew me away with what they were the story they were able able to tell. I mean, it was basically, and I'm using quotation fingers, it was Cody's company at the time, and you knew he was gonna walk out with the belt. 
But as we've talked about on previous podcasts, once the match started, you weren't 100% sure. And that was kind of the catalyst of what made that match amazing was it was one hell of a Donnybrook between the two of them. And, you know, just, I think that is the lasting impression is that match and seeing just Cody Rhodes absolutely bloodied and holding the, is it the five pounds of gold or the six pounds? Five? It's heavy. That's all I Yeah. But lots of pounds of gold. (laughs) I think it's the 10. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry, the five kilograms. Because I'm Canadian, eh? Yes. So (laughs) all of that to say that, like, there was a window of opportunity for the NWA with Nick Aldis at the helm. I don't, you know, in terms of how much of a needle mover he was necessarily going to be, I'm not sure. But in terms of providing stability, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Their new world champion is Tyrus. Somebody call my mama. (laughs) The former... Funkasaurus. The Funkasaurus is one of the career-killing, absolute terrible... (laughs) My gosh. You go from Brodus Clay to this dancing buffoon. Oh, but it gave him more longevity than he would have had. Because Mm. just plain old Brodus Clay is like Alberto Del Rio's bodyguard. You're dead on arrival. You got nothing. There's no extended character there. You're just generic monster. Out of, I love that we're bringing this up after the last podcast, but the last podcast, we, we kind of touched on NXT. I have not wanted to see more of a character. I've wanted to see more of a wrestler in Brian Danielson. Um, you know, the Wade Barrett, what they did with NX, or uh, with the Nexus and all that stuff. I didn't, there's no other character that I wanted to see more of in a singles capacity than Brodus Clay. None. You might be alone he, on that, with the exception of Billy Cork. <laughs> he was a monster, though. The way that they booked him was genius. And I think at that time, I don't know that they really had that that monster heel outside of maybe Brock. And I'm not trying to put the two on the same level, but... Billy Corgan is. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, I just, there was something about him, and I wanted to see him turn into that destroyer. And the next time we really saw him, because I think that the Alberto Del Rio stuff was still kind of NXT-ish. It wasn't that much outside of when they had NXT, because they were partnered up mm. through the show, right? I believe so. Yeah, that was like how Danielson and and The Miz were together. And anyways, just seeing him come out and dance was just so deflating as a fan. Again, show me what I've invested. You know, I've invested in this monster. And then the next night he comes out and he's this. He's basically the Godfather light. No hose, <laughs> all dance. Godfather heavy. Let's be honest. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> zing! But uh, um, no, I, I, I saw. I thought that if they played him as a monster, and I'm not trying to overhype the guy either. I didn't think he was ready for heavyweight status. I don't think he was ready for um, even the mid card titles. 
But I think there was something there that they could absolutely built on to have a nice little monster run for him uh, in a time where, like I said, I don't think there was really too many monster heals at the time. I think I think there was a spot for Brodus Clay. I don't think there was a spot for the Funkasaurus. Well, over 10 years on, Billy Corgan is taking the now 49-year-old Tyrus. Jesus. At uh, listed uh, on cage match at six seven, nearly four hundred pounds. That's who he's strapping the rocket to, and he's doubled down since, saying we're gonna be the roughest. We're bringing it back. We're gonna be the biggest, the roughest, the toughest. The blah blah blah. It's like I just view this as as so much lost potential that they had once they seemingly captured lightning in a bottle, and it just you know. Yes, a little, you know, certainly some of it out of their control uh, with the pandemic. But at the same time, holy shit, have they just squandered any opportunity at really bringing this back? Because you're just like, you're not going to move the needle. And I'm sorry, but I'm looking at this. Since Cody won the title at Mm -hmm. all in which he only held for 50 days before dropping it back to Nick Aldis. Right. Aldis held it for over a thousand days. That was, that was debatable. It was won by Trevor Murdoch. And again, I get the story they were saying, and that's not a huge needle mover. He loses it to Matt Cardona earlier this year. And it's like, oh shit. Okay. You know, Matt Cardona, he's, he's doing some good things uh, within the likes of GCW. And he's really done well for himself on the independence. Which we should add, Mar- Matt Cardona was in this match. It was a three-way yes. match for this title where T- Tyrus ended up winning it. And Cardona was stripped of the title because of injury. So the story's right there to have him win that title again and continue on where he left off. Because Trevor Murdoch wins it for the second time after Cardona's injury and holds it. Up until this weekend, where Tyrus wins a triple threat match against he uh, against Murdoch and Ryder or Cardona, um, yeah, just oof. I mean, if you subscribe to all attention is good attention, cool. You, you probably feel like it's a win if you're the NWA. But my goodness, you know, I think this is going to be this is going to be one of those like consistent YouTube channel mini documentaries the rise fall rise and fall again of the nwa right like you're gonna see that pop up on the the cultaholics and stuff like that in the next couple of years if not sooner um yeah i like, i'm sorry but i do not see aside from the fact that the man has been on fox news in the past um uh, i don't see what he like, why just why it's nothing against the guy. I don't know. I don't know the guy. But holy shit, it doesn't take too much to see that um doesn't seem like the right decision for them. So there you go. Probably our only conversation about the NWA we'll ever have on this podcast until we hear that it finally goes under. Just to play devil's advocate, we're talking about it. That doesn't make it right. But for some oh. reason in the world of professional wrestling, and, and you touched on it, right? Like, any attention is good attention. There's a lot of eyes now on NWA because they went this way. Is that a good thing? Not necessarily. Is it a bad thing? 
we never had any plans to talk about NWA on this podcast. It was strictly going to be a WWE AEW slash history podcast, and here we are. So, devil's advocate, would we have talked about NWA? Counterpoint, will we ever talk about it again? (laughs) Only only when Matt Cardona does the... uh, the cinematic match against Zack Ryder that apparently is being talked about that he would grow out the, or he's got the beard. He would shave the beard and be Zack Ryder and finally kill that character rather than just on Twitter saying, yeah, I'm not going back to Zack Ryder. There is some talk that he's actually thinking about doing the cinematic match against Zack Ryder. And I'm here for it. As am I, that would be, that'd be pretty funny. I didn't think I'd say I'd be uh, interested in a cinematic match in 2022, but I can make an exception for that. I hope he cuts Zack Ryder open. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Instead of the doors, you know what? Let's talk WWE here because sure. I don't have anything to add uh, from a WWE perspective this week off of everything that happened last week. Of course, we got your live reaction to the failed cash in on the United States Championship. Oh, my God. And the 24 7 title being dumped in the trash. Uh, uh, let no, we're going for honesty here. Dumped outside <laughs> the to trash. Be dumped in the trash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have nothing really to add, WWE wise. Um, you know, I, I think we've kind of, you know, I've made my viewpoint clear over the past couple of weeks, and with you know Survivor Series coming up in Boston, uh, they certainly really haven't moved the needle for me as someone who could easily go to that show. They haven't really moved the needle for me to just be like, you know what? I, I'm I'm going to go for it. Why not? Uh, so for you, I know there was a kind of a, a viewpoint that you had, though, that you were wanting to talk about. So the floor is yours. I think this is something that's been kind of ongoing. And I think I've kind of mentioned it here and there that it's the bloodline. I know they're selling tickets. I know they're selling T-shirts. But as far as I'm concerned, and I took a look, I was really paying attention to the Seth Rollins, Mustafa Ali, Austin Theory, um, what's his name? This is, this is the, the Uncle Crashy brain fart of the night, sponsored by uh, Manscaped. Use Toogie24 for all your ball shaving needs. Uh, the Almighty. Oh, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. I could think of his nickname, but I couldn't think of his name. That's terrible. Um, (laughs) The United States Heavyweight Championship. I put that... uh, Not even the whole Austin Theory um, cashing in on that. I'm past that. That was garbage. Let's move on. His promo on Monday didn't really... I mean, it's kind of creating this new vibe that he's showing that like I there's no way he knew he, there's no way he can beat Roman Reigns. So mm. he went for the next logical thing, which I'm pretty sure I did I say that no, I said that the NXT was a little bit higher than the US. You said that the US was a little bit higher than the NXT. Reversed, one, I think. Yeah, fair. Um I I promise I'm only one and a half drinks in. Having said that, There's a new persona coming out of Austin Theory, but I hold the U.S. and the Intercontinental slightly on the same level with the Intercontinental being just a little bit higher. Those are your only two defended belts on those shows, save for the women's titles, which 
there's no crossover. So as long as Roman Reigns holds both titles, both heavyweight titles, and has a reduced schedule, and will only fight Logan Paul in Saudi Arabia, and we won't see him again, because there's no match for uh, Survivor Series that I've heard of so far. He's going to be in one of the Survivor Series matches. So your two heavyweight titles will not be defended on one of the big four. WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. Your tag team titles are going to be tied up in one of the Survivor Series matches. So they won't be defended. Neither one of them, because the Usos are also going to be in one of the Survivor Series matches. You have got three guys holding four titles. Two tag team titles. Two heavyweight titles. This is absolutely horrible for a... As far as I'm concerned, a fan aspect. I love what the bloodline is. I love what they're doing. I hate that they've got the unified titles. I would rather see how Evolution did it, where Triple H had the heavyweight, um, Batista, I think, or Randy Orton had the Intercontinental, and Batista and Ric Flair had the tag team titles. Correct. Like, dominate as a group that way. Don't monopolize on every belt. And now there's, you know, some talk about Solo getting a solo title or two. Like to me, that's, that's, that's overkill. And it's actually ruining the prod, the product that you've got an amazing character in Seth Rollins who now has to go for the mid card title, which should be the title that actually, uh, it's the one to see whether or not that wrestler can handle a heavyweight title. Mm. We know Seth Rollins can, this should be Austin theory's title. This should be Riddle's title. This should be those guys. It shouldn't be Seth Rollins going back and holding the, the U.S. title basically because Roman Reigns has got both heavyweight titles and a reduced schedule. And the idea that a top four pay-per-view, and I'm still calling him pay-per-view, I don't care, mm-hmm. and a premium wrestling event or whatever, um, those titles should be on the line at the big four. I don't care about the other ones, but at the big four, those titles should be on the line. That's, that's mm-hmm. my rant. That's, I think it's terrible for the product that you don't have a singles feud coming out of Logan Paul at Crown Jewel heading into SummerSlam. I actually think that's worse than whatever we're getting with Uncle Howdy. Which I also kind of want to talk about, too, but when we get a few seconds. Feel free. L.A. Knight should not be in that spot. L.A. Knight needs the U.S. title. L.A. It Knight should not be... It kind of weird. L.A. Knight should they... not be fed to Bray Wyatt right now. Yeah, doesn't that seem weird that they turn it around and then he's kind of going to be the first guy? Like I said, like, so Dolph Ziggler uh, went up against uh, Finn Balor on Raw. Feed him... Feed him Dolph Ziggler. Feed him the guys that you don't have a program for that you won't have a program for. Don't mm. use the guy that you just changed his persona back to what we wanted to see and now you're feeding him to Bray Wyatt, who we actually want to see more of. There's no positive here because if LA Knight wins, you just buried your meal ticket over the past three, four months. 
if Bray Wyatt wins, you just totally buried a guy you just brought back from the dead. Who wins here? But think of it, Crash. He gets to rub shoulders with the real main eventer. Even in defeat, he'll look okay is the, the, the weak defense that I hear some people yell. But no, I'm sorry. That doesn't work. No, one of the best things that the 80s and 90s did was they kept guys in their lane. They didn't put them into a heavyweight title uh, run too early. They, they made sure that they were ready a couple years in. Bret Hart was not a main event wrestler for roughly just under 10 years in WWE, WWF-ish, maybe seven, eight years. And he put the IC title on the map. Shawn Michaels, Diesel. Diesel probably is the one out of all of these that probably had that meteoric rise. Because Diesel as the bodyguard to Diesel as the heavyweight champion was maybe one or two years. Right. But those mid-card titles, I don't ever remember Ultimate Warrior going back. I don't remember Hulk Hogan going back. I don't remember Macho Man Randy Savage going back and winning the Intercontinental title. Mm -hmm. They never did. They were always main eventers, and we talked about that era of like Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Undertaker... Bret Hart, they rotated through. Uh, you could even say The Rock, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels, and um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. They rotated through. And then Mankind and, and Big Show got in there when Shawn Michaels couldn't. Like, there's a formula here that they absolutely should be using, and it shouldn't involve the mid-card titles. And Love Gunther... I have no idea. I have no idea where that's going other than no, he's not even a part of the bruisers against the bloodline. No idea what Gunther's doing with the intercontinental intercontinental title right now. So there's, there's zero prestige. There's zero prestige on any of their titles right now. As far as I'm concerned. I don't disagree, which is why my interest is, uh, Right back down to where it was <laughs> not mm-hmm. all that long ago of just negative interest, unfortunately. But that's that's where we stand. AEW side of things, though, feeling pretty good after this past <laughs> Wednesday, man. Feeling pretty good. Like, I was someone else who was like, okay, like, full gear is this Saturday. And I was someone else. I was along the lines of like, eh, I don't really know. Like, yeah, it's, eh. Not as interested as I'd like to be. Still going to watch it. Not as interested as I'd like to be. Uh, it's amazing of what going to a, a live show can do for you. Especially when you are right by the ramp. Have people tagging you on Twitter all night that you're all over TV. Um, you get scissored <laughs> by Max Caster. Oh, scissor me too, gee. I'm trying to think of where it is. It's not in the office. I don't know what happened to my scissor me sign that got me scissored. Um, which was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, my friend made a sign that in like the the uh, laziest way possible just said whatever. So that got us fist bumps from Orange Cassidy. Um, it's just fun, man, being that close and being able to and being able to interact. You know, it, it definitely changes the experience because normally and I, I mentioned this on stream before. Um, normally when I go to a wrestling event, a hockey event, something like that, I try to sit centered and a little bit up because you could see everything. You know, best view in the house. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, having, having floor seats, though, man, that, that definitely changes it. So that was just a really fun experience. And for the most part, I mean, I haven't watched it back on TV yet. I know some things were hit or miss for some people, but I thought the show was really damn good. And I'm a hell of a lot more excited now for full gear this weekend than I thought I would be. Because I feel like, you know, of course, like an AEW event, obviously the wrestling is going to be solid. I feel like for the most part, it is shaping up to be a pretty damn good card. Um, Right now, they have nine matches announced. Moxley and MJF, that's going to deliver. And there's going to be something that happens, whether it's a William Regal turn or something. As long as it's not, I had the firm attack me and we fooled you. As long as it's not that lazy trope. Right. I'm not going to be disappointed. You're going to get the acclaimed and swerve in our glory again. The first two matches were great. The third one's going to be great. I don't know who's going to win that. I can't imagine the acclaimed will lose. And I think we might see the swerve turn. And maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe the challengers win it because Keith Lee commits to being a heel, which they've yeah. been teetering on for the most part. He's been the one trying to reign and swerve. I think that's, you know, they have some interesting storytelling there. I, I really um, hope that this is the one where they, they separate Swerve in their glory, because I think a program between those two and singles is just going to be just delicious. Give them like 15 to 20 minutes on the Winter is Coming TV special. Yep. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. And, um, and wait, how far away is that, though? Because I think that this is one weeks? of the more. What's that? A couple weeks. Uh, winter is coming December 14th, so a month away. I would want a little bit more buildup with these two. Like, I want to see them go at it, but I think this is one of the more psychological feuds that they could have on the go. Swerve's doing amazing work, and I don't know if they were ready for him to be that guy, mm. but he is, he is that guy right now. Like, he's, yeah. he's top three heels in the company right now. I don't disagree. He's He has had a... Not as if he needed a, a breakout year. Like he's already have he's already had breakout years, but it's like he had a reemergence of like, oh yeah, shit. Out of like the you know, out of the list of people that's like, did AEW really need to hire them? I don't think anyone can have swerve on that list. Like, yes, no. that was a slam dunk signing. And for that company. I'll be honest, like ask me what I know about Swerve in, in NXT. He was a part of Hit Row. <laughs> like Basically. that's that's all I got. That's all I got. But this feud, or this is very much DIY territory of their split. You know it's going to happen. And they keep teetering and, and kind of bringing them back together and then pulling them apart. And this is, it's one of the most genius slow burns we've seen since the DIY split. And I can't wait for it to just blow up and, and see those two go at it. We're going to get Ethan Page against either Bandito or Ricky Starks. That's fine. I don't care. It'll be a good match. <laughs> I, I think it'll match, likely be but... Ethan Page that wins for the storytelling standpoint, which I'm okay with. Yeah, I, I just Storm, think you go, you go from what? what we were talking about to that match. Fair. That's like throwing a women's match after the Royal Rumble just to bring everybody like back down to like reality. Fair. Speaking of women's matches, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter. I'm very excited for this match. And I'm hoping Jamie Hayter wins. I'm hoping... I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, but I'm hoping Jamie Hayter gets screwed in some way and continues on the, Brit, the chase. The Brit feud, then? I, maybe. Maybe. Because I think, 
I think this is what I was talking about before, where we want to see Hater excel at this point. Like, everything that has led to this point is there's something there. I just want to see a little bit more of the chase before I hand over the title at this point. So I wouldn't mind seeing something happen in this match that continues it. And maybe it is that Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter feud that the winner goes on to again, get that title match down the road with no interference or anything like that. Like we get our clean cut winner. You see, what I like is if you can start to like fantasy book scenarios, you'd like to see in your head in regards to a match. That means you're excited for it. Yeah. Oh, I like what you mentioned. I like the idea that Britt loses to Soraya earlier in the night and then gets pissed at Jamie and costs her the title. I like the idea of Jamie winning and then Britt has her Triple H, Randy Orton thumbs down moment on the next Dynamite. There's a lot of different ways they could go. Yes. Yeah. No, and I I don't think you're in, in what you're talking about. I don't think you're wrong. I just think I'm more right. No, <laughs> no, I think I think there's something here where the chase, I'm not ready to give up the chase just yet. Like, I think if if she does beat Tony Storm, it's a little too early and it could actually ruin the the uh, the longevity of her title reign. It could be like a uh, I'll use the name again, Adolf Ziggler. Right. Although that chase went on for way too long uh, before he won his first. But. I think there's there's something here with Jamie Hayter, and I, I maybe it is the satisfaction of we haven't gotten that Britt Baker Jamie Hayter feud that they have been teasing. Like even after the um, the all out match, there was something there that they could have built on, and we haven't seen it yet. There's the ROH World Title Match: Fatal Four Way: Jericho, Danielson, Claudio, Sammy Guevara. Eh, it's going to be a good match. There'll be some storytelling coming out of it, but definitely the feeling of like, okay, this is on the pay-per-view to just get like Jericho and Danielson on the pay-per-view. Right. Although Danielson Guevara on Dynamite was was very good. Uh, not really a surprise, but it was right. very good. I think I think you and I are still on opposite sides of Jericho as ROH champion. I think because if I remember correctly, you you just love the stupidity of it and the and all of that, whereas the the traditionalist, or I don't know if I'm more traditionalist or whatever, but I think that's run its course. I would love to see, even if it's Guevara, and then all of a sudden you've got a rift in the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, in that sense. I think that would make for a good story, but I don't know who you who you side with, or who you make the heel, because Jericho Jericho's been a really good tweener. Because you're still kind of singing his theme song, you're still cheering for him a little bit. Whereas Sammy Guevara is is a full on heel at this point, and uh, I don't know. Whatever yeah. leads to Jericho Appreciation Society and Blackpool Combat Club not feuding anymore is what I'm rooting for. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, a face Jericho getting revenge against a heel Sammy Guevara. I mean. There's different ways they can go, but it's like, please, for the love of God, can we separate those two groups who have been feuding for the vast majority of the year? That's what that's the conclusion I'm rooting for at the end of this. Did I ever go into my my Blackpool combat club like distaste? No, but if you want to go on another rant, feel free. They really should be running. That show. And not necessarily being like the bloodline where they come out for their segment and it's awesome 
and they hold all the titles or anything. No, these guys are built in such a way that they should just come out and beat up anybody in any match. Uh, NWO-ish? But still, because I think with R- William Regal there, with the history of ROH, uh, basically with almost everybody in that squad, there is respect for professional wrestling. They're just so divided and so friendly. They hang out in, like, my image is they just sit and wait for their turn in the dressing room. And then when they come out, they're badass. They, you know, they're built as a combat club. But they're they're very, you know, ho-hum as far as that goes. I think they should be coming out and just destroying every match on a show. They should be taking over and demanding matches in in basically every match or any title picture uh, on the entire roster. I, I I don't see why they're not being booked that way. They're the way that they're built. They should be to, monsters across the board. To avoid bloodline comparisons. Yes. There, I, I said it. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, you know what I mean, though? Like, yeah. the way that when they come out and they promo, they're, they're those guys. But once they go to commercial, it's like, okay, we walk to the back and we wait our turn. They legitimately are booking this. So that these, at least in my viewpoint, they should be coming out and disrupting any match that involves whoever they want to feud with. I don't see why they're not coming out and just beating the crap out of people. Or just beating the crap out of anybody because they want to because they're the Blackpool Blackpool Combat Club. It's hard to say three times fast. Uh, I just, I've... Ever since they put this group together, I don't understand why they're not going out and just slaughtering the entire roster. They should have a takeover. This, I think this is the takeover feud that I've been looking for, and I'm not getting it. It's kind of pissing me off. Really quickly, the other matches on this card, because I've already run down most of it. Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, I'm excited for it. I think Jade will win, but I'm excited for that particular match. Um, there was Britt Baker and Soraya, her first match in a very long time that I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here with, uh, <laughs> with, with bated breath at this stage, because there is that fear of like, Oh God, how is this going to go? Speaking of which there is Jeff Jarrett and Jay lethal against sting and Darby Allen, which for the train wreck version, I'm, yeah. I'm loving it. I guess this to is see the NASCAR Jeff, race. I got to see Jeff Jarrett. On dynamite, five feet away from me in 2022, I can I can enjoy the hilarity of that of that set of circumstances. And then they announced on uh, Rampage Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy in a steel cage match to blow off that feud. Makes me wonder if they'll try to extend a little bit more with with Christian being involved. But I think the cards rounded out to be a very very strong one. That I'm really looking forward to. Thankfully, on a fucking Saturday, not a Sunday. So glad that we're getting away from Sunday pay-per-views for the most part. I think if uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are doing it in a cage match, Christian's got to be ready. Because we talked about this. Like, they're going to run that feud until Christian's ready. And then it's Jungle Boy and and uh, and Christian. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the only logical next step in that story. So, 
if that is the big payoff, Christian has got to be ready. So, with that, to round out the podcast, let's transition into our Today in Wrestling History segments. First and foremost, Crash Andrews, we have a happy birthday mm-hmm. from someone that you mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. earlier Ooh. in the show. Ooh. Any guesses uh, whose birthday? I think I know this. Is it Nick Aldis? It is not. Oh, it's a bit of a sadder one. Oh, on this day in 1952. Macho man. Randy oh, Savage. that is right. As I said in the last podcast, like, give me, I know you can't. And honestly, I don't want 2022 much. I'll take like early 2000s. I'll take randomly shows up at Impact or TNA pay-per-view. Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, he was just, he was just so good at what he did. Who he was and and the persona. And, uh, yeah, just an absolute, absolute legend. I mean, there's not too much we can say to sit here and hype up fucking Macho Man Panty <laughs> Savage. Yeah. I mean, it's like trying to pump uh, Bigfoot's tires, like right. the not not the not the not the walking ape thing, but like the the monster truck. That's the reference <laughs> I'm going for here, kids. <laughs> Either way, I think it worked. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we did get to talk about him in the last show, thankfully. Aside from that, there were three different events that took place today amongst three different companies. Door one, two, or three. (laughs) Mid, mid, mid. (laughs) We always go mid. On this day in 2006, TNA Impact moved to primetime on Spike TV. For the very this, first time. Was this when they tried to go up against Raw as well? No, on that would have been four years later. Oh. In an outright disastrous decision. <laughs> which I'm sure we'll get to talk about at some point. But yeah, no, that was that was a very, very ungood decision uh, from TNA at the time. Where, as this... Worked out pretty well for him because, you know, they started off, obviously, with the weekly pay-per-views every Wednesday. That transitioned, at least in the States, to a deal on Fox Sports Net. Like, for me, it was at three in the afternoon on a Thursday. So I had (laughs) rush home. (laughs) That was was prime wrestling watching time. Fuck, dude. Like, so I'd get off the bus and I lived at the end of a long dead-end road and I would just sprint up the road to try to make sure I could see the entire show. Right. Where it's like, oh, cool. There's like 15 minute time limits. And I remember they basically had a scoreboard, which I thought was great at all at all times on the screen. It told you who was wrestling and how much long longer was left in the time limit, which I loved. Um, and then they had that for a long time. And eventually they got a deal on Spike, but it was like a, a super, super late times. And then, yeah, eventually got the chance on prime time and did okay for yeah. a while. Yeah. Until they didn't. 
It was almost like one of those situations where like, well, if we get a primetime deal, then we're going to skyrocket. It's like, no, you should have waited until like people were pining for you to go primetime or you were already beating Raw's numbers or any WWE show at that point. That was never going to happen. No, but still like the the idea of thinking that going up against the juggernaut without any like. It was, uh, so you're was talking the, about the idea of the head-to-head four years well, later. Well, even, even just going prime time, like you're putting the cart in front of the horse if you don't really have that backup because people are still talking about what happened, especially back then. People are still talking about what happened on Monday all the way until SmackDown. So, I think at the time, though, the alternative was there. I mean, you got to figure, this is 2006. Kurt Angle's yeah. already there. Christian's already there. And the Kurt like, Angle jump was was one of the biggest stories of the 2000s, if not the biggest, like of that yeah. first decade, though. There are two other events that took place. Door well, number already, one or door number two? We've talked the bloodline enough. We the ones. The ones. 1998. It was a good year. Was, was a deadly game. Crash Andrews. <laughs> On this day, the 1998 Survivor Series featuring the one-night tournament for the vacant WWF title. This was, this was cheap, cheap booking <laughs> in the end. So we'll get to the end. Let me run through this yeah. card because we'll get to the end so I can bring it full circle here. First, you know, first match of the night heading into this. It's like, oh, mankind, he's the one. He is the hand chosen man. Yeah. Vince McMahon and the corporation. So in the first round, who does he beat? Dwayne Gill. The future Gilbert in 30 seconds. I actually read something about how Goldberg will never give Gilbert a match. And even if it was an absolute squash match to kill the character, yeah, he will. That's the only per, like, honestly, Goldberg would get into the ring with Brett the Hitman Hart one more time. <laughs> Based on their relationship, that will never happen. Gilbert is just below Brett the Hitman Hart on the list of uh, people we will see in a ring with Goldberg. I actually do think uh, he was Gilbert for that particular match. Al Snow beat Jeff Jarrett in three and a half minutes. <laughs> Stone Cold beats the big boss man by disqualification. Mm-hmm. Boss man attempts to injure Stone Cold enough to make sure he doesn't make the final. Steven Regal, the real man's man. He's a man. I like singing on the podcast. I don't know what that is all about. Right? It's here infectious. it is. He yeah. and X-Pac went to a double count out. Ken Shamrock beat Goldust in six minutes. And then the final, actually, God, yeah, the final first round match, The Rock beat the Big Boss Man in a recorded three seconds. Big Boss Man had two matches in the first round. Yes, so I think there was an injury. And then the idea was Boss Man's in to try to stop The Rock as well. Gotcha. For mankind. Yes. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. So they go to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Where 
it gets uh, it gets interesting. Oh, uh, Triple H was originally supposed to face The Rock in the first round, but he was injured and replaced by Big Boss Man. So there you go. Gotcha. Yep. Quarterfinals. Undertaker beats Kane in seven minutes. <laughs> Earlier this year, they had like a 20-minute match at Mania, the Inferno match the next month on pay-per-view, and by Survivor Series, because of the format of the show, they were given seven fucking minutes. Yeah. I, you know what? I love the tournament uh, pay-per-view, but yeah, once you start getting into, like, King of the Ring, have eight competitors, don't have 12 or 15 or whatever, that you you totally ruin the 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 time limits and because I'm was there other matches or was it just that tournament? Uh it will uh get to that. It was yes. yeah, it, well, yeah, we'll get to it. So you had Taker over Kane, Mankind beats Al Snow in four minutes. That would have been an absolutely legendary match. <laughs> <laughs> then you have the rock beating Ken Shamrock. And that set us up towards the semifinals because you'll remember there was the double count out. So right. there was the bye in favor of one Stone Cold Steve Austin. So despite the fact that he was injured after Boss Man's attack, he did make but it. But he won by DQ, yeah. Yeah. So non-tournament match, you had Sable beat Jacqueline to win the WWF women's title in three minutes. Really quickly, bring back that belt. Bring back that belt for the women's title. I did like that design, yeah. You also had, in the semifinals, Mankind securing his spot in the final, beating Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Rock defeating The Undertaker by disqualification to set up the final. Now, before we get to that final, you had the New Age Outlaws retain their tag titles by defeating uh, D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry, as well as the Headbangers. And all of this led to the triumphant hero, The Rock, against the hand-picked Mankind for the WWF title. What was the purpose of this entire story, Crash Andrews? The worst... To... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> to invoke the events from the previous Survivor Series, which we just passed the 25th anniversary of, it was them touching up on the screw job again. Well, for the first time, they get to touch up on the screw job with it happening the year prior as The Rock turns heel in alliance with Vince McMahon. One of the worst double swerves of all time. Because you had, well, I, I don't know if that's the double swerve. Because you had, or the double turn, I guess. Because all of a sudden, you just fell in love with mankind because you, you kind of were hoping he won it because he's still the lovable, stupid Mick Foley, you know just totally gullible character but the rock was the rock and i think that's one of the first heel turns that we saw since the nation since he broke off from the nation it became the rock that we all kind of fell in love with back then but yeah, yeah just he was he was a really started to turn face throughout 1998 and this yeah. was fans first taste of being like oh, they're going to let us cheer for the rock awesome yeah. Rocky and then they took suck. it away. <laughs> and for the I rock. Just, go ahead. I'll use I'll use the same trope that I've used before. Like we got so invested in this tournament 
and leading up to it too like it was weeks of lead up that it was going to be a tournament and i can't remember if there were play-ins or whatever you want to call it but like this was going to be a major thing and it was one of the first i want is it one of the first that didn't have the traditional survivor yes. series matches correct so like it already screwed up the format the i love that format of the four or five man women matches for the entire night mm -hmm. they already took that away we're now invested in this tournament which i love the tournament pay-per-view and they like when vince craps on his own product for his own pleasure i could never understand why other than i mean we touched on it at the beginning of the podcast we talked about it the next night we were pissed off. We called our buddies. We jumped on chat rooms. We, you know, this was, this was, how dare he? Like, he's really spitting in the face of the fans. And, but we talked about it. It was not the most ideal finish, and it wasn't anything anybody else would have booked, but Vince did it to us again. And that was the character. That was, we almost deserved it because we didn't see it coming. For The Rock. It led to him being, you know, a mega heel leading up to losing the Stone Cold at WrestleMania 15. Eventually, by the summer, he's arguably a bigger babyface than he would have been in the fall of 98. For Mick Foley, this did fuck all. <laughs> it garnered him enough sympathy that they eventually had a rematch the next month at In Your House Rock Bottom. And then it had the. Okay, you know, in saying that it did fuck all, actually, I'm, I'm mistaken on that. Because you had the In Your House Rock Bottom match, but it did lead to the last man, or the I Quit match at the Rumble. Right. The one with all the fucking chair shots. Yes. And that added to his legacy in a huge way, especially uh, in regards to Beyond the Mat. Great, great documentary. On top of that, then, you had the halftime heat, which I yep. think added to, you know, Mick Foley's kind of legacy as well. The empty arena match. Yeah. And then comes the moment where I'm like, well, fuck, this is why I, my mind originally went to it didn't do much for him. Because in the following months, it did. By WrestleMania 15, he had a match against the big show. Where the winner was supposed to, like, ref the main event. But he was assaulted so badly that it, he wasn't a full, like, it was just, he was a supporting piece by Mania. And then that transitioned for him in 99 to being a part of the Union. One of wrestling's worst stables of all time. <laughs> so for The Rock, I mean, this made him, for Mick Foley, it eventually made him, but... He had a really weird path over that next year. Yeah, I think Mick Foley didn't need the title. I think we he was always over. He was always a star, and he was always in those groups where, okay, The Rock needs somebody else. Let's give him a program with Mick Foley. Okay, Stone Cold needs somebody else. Let's put him in. And, and it, was a plausible, uh, it was a plausible pairing. Any match that Mick Foley was in, it made sense. 
because he was always in that picture. Did he always need the title? No, because as fans, we had already seen his piece de resistance from being thrown off a cage. Once that happened, we fell in love with whatever he was going to do going forward. I mean, he put a damn sock on his hand that had Sharpie marks, called it Mr. Socko, and got that over. Like, it didn't matter what he did. It didn't matter that he didn't have the title. He was a main eventer the rest of the way. It's just like if Dwayne comes back, he doesn't ever need the title. He's a made man. Stone Cold. There's rumors that Stone Cold's going to have another match. He's a made man. He never needs the title again. Cena never needs the title again. And I think that match at uh, Survivor Series kind of cemented that because we just hurt. Like, that was actually one of the first losses that hurt in quite some time. I I mean, granted, it was a year after the the screw job. But as far as, like, storyline goes... That was one of the first that actually hurt. That wasn't business related the year before. Where it was just like, oh. Like, what does the guy gotta do? When that was the plan all along. There's just some sort of emotional attachment to it that I think... I, I, I understand where you're, what you're saying about, like, it didn't do much for him. But I would argue the absolute opposite. That he never needed, say, the, he never needed I- the heavyweight title ever again. I stand corrected on on those words. That was not the right way to phrase it. I no, initially went to like, oh, by mania, he wasn't doing shit. And then I started thinking about everything else that happened before and after. Right. And it was a very important time for both of them. Yeah. And I'm, you're comparing him to The Rock in this scenario, too. Yeah, he didn't do much compared to The Rock. <laughs> but that put him back. Like, that was one of those situations where, like I said, there was no way he was leaving the main event picture until he decided he needed to. And I think that loss, that was one of those rare examples where a loss actually does more for somebody than, than anything else. I think if Mick Foley won that match, it, it wouldn't have helped either one. I agree. Our final talking point here as we round out today's show is going to be our first UFC mention. Ooh, I watched this too. I don't because know if on this you're day, going pay-per-view or not. Okay. In 2008, UFC 91, the heavyweight championship of the world changed hands as Randy Couture lost the title to the man who was in just his fourth MMA fight ever. The new heavyweight champion, Brock Lesnar. I'm going to drink some Bud Light. <laughs> Screw Bud. <laughs> I'm going to, no, Coors Light. Big Budweiser. I'm Coors Light because Bud Light won't pay me nothing. Yeah, Budweiser doesn't pay me nothing. I'm going to get on my wife. And gonna... <laughs> One of the greatest post-match promos ever. Ever. The crazy thing, too. So I was saying, like, my son and I, we watched uh, the recent pay-per-view and they were going into like uh, the last match. I can't remember the guy's name. I'm not that into it, but I enjoyed the entire card. Uh, they were going into like who won uh, a title in a faster amount of time. And uh, Spider, I think Silva won in his second UFC fight. 
but um they were mentioning a whole bunch of others and i'm like brock lesnar brock lesnar had four fights i thought it was frank Muir for some reason but i know he lost to Muir and then won and then had somebody else and then had couture the old uh that that in between because i'm a fucking mma nerd as well was the uh the texas crazy horse keith herring right right but he didn't hold on to it that much longer either i think he only had it for like two fights he had two successful defenses and held the belt for nearly two years uh he retained it against frank mir at ufc 100 to avenge that loss Right. And then in uh, July of 2010, he had a fight against Shane Carwin where he got the fucking shit kicked out of him in that first (laughs) round. But like Homer Simpson just somehow stayed in it and essentially rope-a-dope Shane Carwin who was exhausted from the amount of punches thrown in that first round. One of the damnedest things I've ever seen. I was at my sister's house. She ordered it on pay-per-view and I Still, like that particular fight is, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous to be honest. Who and who did he lose it to? Uh, Kane Velasquez, who is That's now right. free on bail. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, uh, uh, we're not gonna get too much into it, but I can't really blame the guy for what he did to go to jail to be freed on bail a year later. Can't really blame yeah. him. Yeah, we'll go with that. I did want to say, in that um, in that fight, uh, Lesnar versus Carwin, I had to look up the stats, and I'm trying to see here because I have. Okay, so oh yeah, here we go. So in this fight between Lesnar and Carwin, Brock Lesnar threw 37 strikes, landed 28 of them, but he threw 37 strikes. Shane Carwin threw 112. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just wallop the fucking guy and ended up losing in round two. Um, An all-timer. An all-timer, that particular fight. Um, But yeah, history made when when Brock at UFC 91 beat Randy Couture in, you know, what was certainly viewed as a controversial decision at the time, but anyone that still follows the UFC knows that uh, they have never given a fuck about the rankings. Uh, it is all and still continues to be based around uh, who can draw the best. Yeah. They don't give a shit yeah. about the rankings. That's why this past weekend, while I still don't follow the UFC as much, at least I don't give them any of my money, um, Alex Pereira ended up winning the uh, middleweight title yeah. over Israel Adesanya. Uh, yeah. And that was only his third or fourth fight in the UFC. Yeah, I think it was four but or five. But yeah, they had a history in kickboxing. And which yep. Pereira won both of those fights as well. So the UFC, obviously, we're going to try to fast, you know, fast track that if we can. That'll sell fucking tickets. And I'm I'm sure they did. I don't know what exactly. I don't know what the buy rate would have been revealed for um for UFC 281. Let me look at this really quickly. Uh, if, it was if, a fucking eleven and a half million dollar gate. So uh, if sure I Dana know, well, it was at Madison Square pillow. Garden, too, right? Yeah. I'm sure Dana White's crying into his pillow that some random fucker in Maine doesn't pay money for his product. Right. But Brock Lesnar, heavyweight champion on this day in 2008. If I know you how I think I know you, you enjoy watching people legitimately punch each other in the face. On occasion, yeah. Yeah. Go, Go and watch the final, if nothing else, 
Watch the final three matches on that card. Uh, don't look at it. I'm sure. Well, you saw the the, the winner of the main event. Oh, don't look for, at any uh, of the other results. No, uh, no, no, no. This past one. I I heard about it. I need to. I probably will end up going watch at least the Poirier Chandler fight. Uh, watch I Poirier. Ch- yeah, watch that one. Watch the women's match and watch the main event. It is some of the the most amazing MMA I have seen, and I will mention at this point that Saw is one of my favorite movies of all time. If you've seen Saw, if you have Saw, Saw, um, (laughs) please remember to make the episode title Seen Saw. Seen Saw. (laughs) See Saw's run. Um, it is it is not one of the greatest movies of all time, but it is one of my favorite movies of all time. So knowing that, that's kind of a little bit of a spoiler of what happens in one, if not some, if not all the matches. But oh my gosh, are they ever are you ready for this? Are you ready for this one? Oh my gosh, are they ever seesaws of matches? But yeah, the last three, the last three on that card. If you don't watch any other of that pay-per-view, this one that just passed, which it's like 281 or something like that. It like they're getting pretty close. Yeah. yeah, they're getting pretty close to, to 300. Um, yeah, go back and watch at least the last three. And uh, you won't regret it. Don't watch. Who's the who's the uh, the guy who had his last match? Oh, for, I well, here's the thing. I saw all the finishes, right? I mean, Twitter. Right. I saw Frankie Edgar get knocked out. Holy fuck. And I love that uh, Daniel Cormier is sitting there. He goes, that's how it is. That's how Mm -hmm. most of these guys leave. That's how most of the, like, nobody wins. Nobody wins in their last match. They, but oh my gosh, when guy gets knocked out, when guy gets knocked out, he got knocked the fuck out. Holy crap. So anyways. Remember this show, everybody, as the show where we actually talked about the UFC and the NWA because you never know when it will happen again. I'm going to guess we'll talk UFC again before we talk about the NWA again. Place your bets on that. We're, we're not promoting this, this podcast as much because if this is one of our highest listened to podcasts, we're going to have to talk about NWA and UFC a hell of a lot more. <laughs> if the, you know, if the listenership goes up, I will watch their next pay-per-view and be one of the seven people to buy it. <laughs> You won't buy it. You won't because I, I will. I, if we have to, if we have to watch it, I'm not buying it. I will put money in Billy Corgan's pockets. I will do it to see big meaty men. Well, eh, you can't really to see big no, no, heavy gonna be, men. It's going to be Tyrus and Trevor Murdoch, <laughs> big meaty men. <laughs> in the words of Biggie, bump that. <laughs> I well here you can't say slapping big heavy men big chests. <laughs> I don't even know if they have big chests. I, I what's the right way to describe it? it? It's not big meaty men slapping meat. What's the what's the couple levels down oh my of God. that? With with it still being the same concept, it's large big. heavy fellas <laughs> trying not to fall over. Reinforced rings. <laughs> oh Holy man! Shit! <sighs> Everybody, thank you for listening to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. 
We'll give Crash a minute to be able to get the. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. We're ready. We're oh, ready. he's ready this time. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you can catch me everywhere at Tugi24 as I still try to navigate this ridiculous world of hockey video games tremendously disappointing me. But hey, we'll figure something out, right? Right? Maybe we will. At Tugi24, pretty much everywhere. Crash Andrews, you can find on a variety of different platforms. Of course, still at Crash underscore Andrews on Twitter. At Elon. Crash Andrews on Twitch. Can I can I take a message a minute to just directly talk to Elon right now? I yes. will buy whatever check mark you put out there if I can punt that little punk off of Crash Andrews so I can get rid of the underscore. Make it a thirty dollar a month check mark. I will do it once. Just to I was claim really, the name. I was really hoping to go to at Crash Andrews and see that he was uh <laughs> he had a check mark now, but it, it does not appear as though he subscribes to uh, Twitter Blue. Uh, oh nor gosh. should you. Fuck Elon Musk. Jesus Christ, a fucking detriment Sh- to society. That fucking guy. My God. Shout out to Deke Slayer. <laughs> <sighs> Crash. The final yours is word. Oh, the final word is yours. Until next week. What do you got for us? Uh. Last time I saw Tugboat, Typhoon, Buffoon, whatever the hell his name is, he ran fast. The only time he ran fast is when they opened up a lunch line at the free buffet. Good night, everybody. Toot, toot. (laughs) Toot, toot.